What's up, you guys? How you guys doing? Some of y'all, y'all need to wake up, people. So I'm on my sixth Red Bull. So anyway, my name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at OneChurch.tv. So glad that you chose to hang out with us on December the 31st. How cool is this? I mean, you are ending the new year, old year great, right? And next year, I mean, I mean, which is going to be tomorrow, it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited that you guys are hanging out with us today for a brand new series entitled Get Your Life Back. And uh, uh, we're, I'm so if you're watching this over in the video theater, you're watching this on Facebook, Live, or you're watching us um, just through our app or whatever, we just want to say welcome. And some of you, uh, how many of y'all already have your New Year's resolutions? Like you got them down. Let me hear you. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> some of y'all are like heck with those New Year's resolutions, right? So, well, and some of us, I mean, you like the New Year's resolutions. We got those goals, we have those aspirations. Some of you, it may be a fitness goal, it may be like a spiritual goal, whatever that looks like. Uh, here's what I just want to simply say, just briefly 2018 is going to look a lot like 2017 unless you make some changes. Thanks for coming to One Church, right? I mean, think about this. I mean, and that's what we want to talk about in this series. Because so many of us, we have those goals, we have those things that we want to do, but we never quite get around to do them. And I know for some of you, you're here for the very first time. We're so honored that you're here. You're, you're just an honor guest. And if you know about anything about God, Jesus, the Bible, or maybe you know nothing about it, you are in the right place at the right time. Because we're talking about in this series, so many times the church, and we talk about what you should believe and why you should believe it. But that's not this series. This series is all about the how. How do you get this stuff practically done? Because some of you, you know the what to believe, you know why you should believe it, but you still struggle with getting those goals accomplished or spending time in your Bible or whatever it looks like for you. And this series is hyper, hyper practical. It is all about the how. Do you know that God doesn't leave us clueless? He gives us indications of not only what we should believe, why we should believe it, but how we should make all of this stuff happen. So over the next five weeks, we're going to be little by little, we're going to systematically go through things and try to figure out how to get your life back, all right? So if you're here, again, so glad if you're in the room, we actually print off small group questions, and if you're in a small group, you ought to grab these, even if you're not, I would encourage you over the next five weeks to grab these, they're right outside the theater, and in Emily's uh, sheet, front and back, you're going to just see some very practical things of how you can apply what you hear teaching today. And if you don't want the piece of paper, you can actually go on our app, and it's actually live right now, and you can download it as a PDF, and you can look at it that way, and just look at it through the week. Also, download our app. It's a free app through the Google Play or the App Store, and uh, it has the past 10 years' worth of sermons all chalked on there. So if you're struggling with sleeping... We can help you guys out. Just letting you know. All right. Anyway, so uh, that's a little bit about resources or how you can grow. So let me just start this series by asking a quick question. What dreams do you have? What goals do you have? Maybe not just for 2018, but what goals do you want to accomplish in life? What do you hope to accomplish in life? Pursuing a dream is sometimes difficult for most people. 
And here's the reason why. It's because most struggle with the hardest part of realizing the dream, and that's just identifying the dream. When you ask people, hey, what do you want to do with your life? They start stumbling over the words and tripping like sort of and kind of, and they're just like, uh, and nobody really knows. But I want to challenge you by really asking, what do you want to accomplish in your life? And if you're a Christian, you may even couch it this way. What does God want in my life? What is God's will? What does God want me to do with my life or in this season of my life? So if you're, if you're not a Christian, though, you know what? You still got dreams. You still got goals, aspirations. You still have things that you want to accomplish. What are those things you want to accomplish? For some of you, it's an education. You started an education, but you didn't quite finish it. In 2018, you're like, I'm going to get my degree this year. And that's awesome. For some of you, you want to find your career job. I mean, you have a job, but it's not your dream job. So you want to get out of that dream job, and you want to find the job, right? The job of your dreams. For some of you, you want to find that important person uh, in your life. You want you want you have some romantic overtures going on, and you want to hey boo, how you doing, baby? You want to put on some Barry White with somebody. I understand that. Nothing wrong with that. Barry's he's my man. All right. Others of you, you want to get out of a relationship, right? You're like, I can't wait to get rid of this person and get me another Mrs. Boo or Mr. Boo, right? So I understand that as well. Others of you, you're like, you know what? I have a fitness goal, or I want to eat healthier, or I want to write a book. I want to write a book, or I want to start a new hobby. Whatever that looks like, I want to spend more time at home. Whatever that looks like, whatever your goal is, a lot of us have dreams that never get realized. Do you know that? So many of us, we have dreams that never get realized. If you don't believe me, just ask your mom or your dad if they're still living. They have these dreams and goals, and then it just never quite happened because life goes quicker than you think. Here's a, a great quote. The best way to make your dreams come true is to wake up. That's a great quote. Because all of us have ambitions, we all have things we want to accomplish, and that's what we want to talk about in this series, Get Your Life Back. And how do we do that, though? Well, it's by helping you manage your time, priorities, and energy. So that's what we're going to be looking at in this series. How to manage your time, how to manage your priorities, and both of those really are linked up, and how to manage your energy. And a lot of what I'm sharing with you over the next five weekends is stuff that I've learned over the past ten years. Some of good decisions I've made, honestly, mostly from bad decisions that I've made. And I want to share with you, Use some of that from what God's Word has to say. Our big idea of this series, all five weeks are tied into this next sentence, and it's simply this. Decide how you will spend your life before others decide for you. Decide how you will spend your life before others decide how to spend it for you. I mean, think about this. Tomorrow begins a new year, right? And all next week, we were all going to be in the early phases of a new year. Here's the reality, though, is that for most of us, you had dreams, you had aspirations, you had goals, you had resolutions. On Tuesday, January the 2nd, when you go back to work, you have your to-do list, and then you turn on your computer, and there's 75 emails, and you have five text messages and four voicemails, and you're trying to get to what you want to do, but other people, your boss comes in and says, I need you to stop what you're doing, I need you to work on this. And then all of your aspirations, all of your goals, your dreams get hijacked. 
And you never actually see them through. And the reason why managing your time, your priorities, your energy is so very important is because if you don't decide how to spend your life, it's going to disappear before you know it. Why? Because time management is actually life management. Let me explain that. When we think this way, if today gets out of control, we think, you know what, I already got what? Tomorrow. And if I don't get what I need done tomorrow, I always got the next day, right? And then there's Wednesday, and then there's Thursday, and there's Friday, and then at the end, you're at the end of your life, and you really had not accomplished very little. Annie Dillard said it this way. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. How did you spend your day yesterday? Some of you, it's like, uh, I was on the couch all day watching Netflix. All right. Isn't it crazy? It, with, with culture the way it is today, we used to watch shows. You remember when shows used to come on live on television? Now, we don't watch an hour-long program. We don't watch an episode. We watch seasons at a time. Right? We said, now, okay, listen, I'm on Grey's Anatomy, season four, right? And then I'm going to get through that. And some of you, you're like, I'm on Bachelor season whatever, right? Um, I don't watch The Bachelor because I'm heterosexual. Anyway, um, I'm so sorry. That was not in my notes. Anyway, here's the point of how you spend your life. How do you spend your days is really dependent upon how you spend your life, right? If you can make tomorrow better than today, eventually you will have a very different life. And that's the big idea of this series. It's what I hope you catch on over the next five weeks. So let's talk about what's at stake before we dive into God's Word. What's at stake in all of this? Because the Bible describes this battle between good and evil, right? And some of you, you're like, okay, really, Pastor? I mean, there's just like, you're probably going to talk about devil and evil and all this stuff. It's kind of, is this just kind of medieval thinking? And uh, the pun intended, by the way. Um, but I truly believe that there is this battle between good and evil, and if evil had a strategy, this would be a good one. To monopolize your time, to make you so sweat the small stuff, to distract you from what's really important. If evil had a strategy, this would be a good one to disorganize you so that you, can act, so you can't actually accomplish the purpose that you have for your life. If evil had a strategy, this would be a good one. To make you keep on thinking, you know what, I'll do it tomorrow. And I'll do it tomorrow. But tomorrow never comes. Now, if you're, if you're not convinced evil has a strategy, all you've got to do is look at the news. Seriously. You look good on the internet, look on the Twitter feeds. Any of y'all get newspapers? Anybody remember when we used to get newspapers? I do. Um, so, but even if you're not, you don't buy into the whole evil good. I do. But if you don't, here's what the reality is. Even if you start something new, you're going to experience some resistance. You don't believe me? Just say, you know what, on January the 2nd, I'm going to eat healthier and I'm going to go to the gym. And the day that you decide that, what's going to happen? The baby is going to wake up puking. Uh, you're, you're not going to have, you're going to have a blowout. You're not going to have, like, something's going to, your car's not going to work. Something's going to happen. And you're just going to always have that resistance. And what we're looking at, this universal phenomena, is that every time you want to make progress, there's always resistance to what you do. The Bible describes that as evil. And if there is a Satan, and I believe that there is, if, if there's this force of evil, evil probably thinks, you know what, I'm probably not going to get you to sacrifice cats in your backyard at midnight. 
But that's probably not going to work as a strategy. So let's come up with a different strategy. So here's what I believe what bad strategies that evil kind of presses on us every, every day. Let's get us so stressed enough that we never get a divorce, but we never quite have a meaningful marriage. Or what about this one? Let's get you busy enough so that you're not effective. Let's get you preoccupied enough not to be present. And how many of us, we struggle with that because of technology and smartphones. Or just tired enough to miss what really matters. Just distracted enough to actually miss the point of life. Because I'm not 18 anymore. I'm 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. And what was this all about again? What was the point? So if evil had a strategy, that would be a really good way to really hijack us and get us off the rails. Now, at this point, most of us would say, you know what we need in our lives? In fact, some of you, this is some of your New Year's resolution, that your goal is you want to find balance in life. You want to find balance, and that's a normal solution. You know, I just need to find balance in my life. I need to get some balance, um, uh, and, and maybe that's for some of you, again, that's your New Year's resolution. This season of my life, this decade of my life, I'm finally going to get some balance because my life has been so out of balance. But what I want to spend for the rest of our morning is that I just want to convince you that balance is a bad idea. That balance is an illusion. I think balance is a bad pursuit. I think balance doesn't exist. The only word balance exists is a knob on a radio. Okay? I want you to think about this. At least for most of my life, and I think all of our lives, this is what balance looks like. You see, for so many of us, you're like, you know what, this is 2018. I want a man in my life. Right? So I'm, and hopefully with, who can dress better than these swimsuits, right? I want this guy, and if I'm going to have a relationship in my life, then I'm going to have to carve out some time to make that happen. And then you, just when you started going well and time started going well, your car breaks down. And that's a bummer. You have a blowout. It doesn't start anymore. There's something wrong with the alternator or the battery. And then for others of you, it's like you haven't cleaned your house in like a month. Right? And it's like, ah, oh, I don't even, I gotta do something about that. And then for others of you, it's like laundry. Laundry never ends, right? Especially if you have boys in your house. It just, it never ends. And ah, oh, it's the reason why I think for most of us men, we believe that all of us should go naked. Just saying. All right? And then for others of you, thank you. Send your checks to onechurch.tv. Uh, others of you, you're like, you know what? This is the year I'm gonna eat healthier. So I'm going to do things a little bit healthier. And then, for others of you, you're like, you had a baby. Oh my gosh. Balance got thrown out the window. And then for others of you, you had twins. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then the baby needs changing. There was a blowout on Al 2, right? So you have to change the baby. And then you have some books that you want to read. In 2018. And then you also promised God, by the way, I think I'm going to read your Bible more. And then you, you got to get... <coughs> Sorry, kids. Um, you see, balance doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But for most of us, that's what we try to say. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to say yes, 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 yes. And it all just falls apart. 
You see, balance, what balance feels like a lot in our culture is a retreat. I'm going to do less of this, less of this, and less of this. And you end up doing less of all the things that really matters. And you look back on your life and, did I really make a difference? What was I actually doing? Well, I was just doing less of this and less of that and less of everything. But what are you actually doing to accomplish anything significant with your life? So a number of years ago, I just gave up on balance. Some of you are like, yeah, we've seen it. You've been unbalanced for quite some time. Well, you would be correct. Because I think balance is an illusion. And number two, I'm not even sure if you can even have a meaningful life and pursue balance. Here's the problem with balance is that most people who accomplish anything significant in life, they're not balanced people. Think about that. They're not balanced people. The, 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 the people that made history, the people that you, you send your kids to school and they read about, they were not balanced people. Dr. Martin Luther King was not a balanced person. Right? Mahatma Gandhi was not a balanced person. You, you, you see, Neil Armstrong wasn't a balanced person. Olympic athletes, they're not balanced people. And see, the people that make history, they're not balanced people. Think about this. Maybe even people who don't even, maybe didn't make history, but made history in your life. Nobody else knows them but you do. That coach who took interest in you even though you had like third string talent, but they leaned in on your life and they mentored you and loved you. Maybe there was that neighbor who took interest in you. There was that adult who always had a special place and time for you even when your own parents were distracted. There was that friend who really cared about you. And you know what? Chances are their impact in your life wasn't achieved because they were balanced. It was achieved through something else. And here's what I want to suggest to you. The people who accomplish significant things aren't balanced people. They're passionate people. They're passionate people. The key ingredient in people who make a mark in other people's lives, even obscure people you've never heard of, the key ingredient for people who make a difference is that they're passionate. They're way out of balance. They're passionate about what they do. They're passionate about their church. They're passionate about their kids. They're passionate about their family. They're passionate about their work. They're passionate about their job. They're passionate about what their things they're launching. They're passionate about all of those things. They are passionate people. One of the greatest examples of a passionate person I can think of is this guy on the screen behind me. His name is Walt Walter Elias Disney. Walt Disney. All of us, we've heard of Walt Disney. We've seen movies about Walt Disney. How many of y'all, you've been to Disneyland or Disney World? Let me hear you. Awesome. Many of you guys. Think about this. So Walt, his life wasn't easy. Do you know that he went bankrupt more than once? He actually created a character by the name of Oswald the Rabbit. Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And this whole idea was starting to catch on, Oswald. And through an intellectual property dispute, he lost the rights to Oswald the Rabbit, and he went bankrupt. He didn't know what to do. So he had no money. He was able to rent out this rodent-infested little place, and with no money, I mean, he's down on his luck. He's watching these mice go back and forth, and, huh, he comes up with an idea of a mouse named Mickey. And the rest... We say it's history, it's history to us, 
But really, it was just hard work where he never, ever gave up. He was passionate. He, it's so interesting. He started making short-length, and then he started making feature films. Snow White was the very first one. Pinocchio came after that. Do you know that Walt Disney has received more Academy Awards than any other person in film history? That's amazing. But it just didn't stop there for Walt. He says, you know what? I want to create a theme park. You see, back in Walt's day, theme parks were vastly different than they are today. Uh, Saturday was his days with his daughters. And he wanted to take his daughters to a special place. But theme parks were not good places. They served alcohol back then. Deads would go and get drunk. Theme parks were always dirty. There were questionable characters running the tilt-a-whirl. Right? So he said, you know what? I'm going to create a theme park. And this idea was so divisive, him and his brother Roy split over this, and then he went to the banks, and the banks wouldn't give him the time of day, even though he's, he was successful. He was the greatest cartoonist in the 20th century. The banks wouldn't buy into this idea of theme park either. In fact, I love this quote from Walt Disney. It's on the screen. I could never convince the financers that Disneyland was feasible. Why? Because dreams offer too little collateral. Here's the thing about Walt. He didn't quit. He kept on going. He put everything he had on the line, everything he had amassed, and he split with his brother and he just did it anyway. Some of you, I mean, you had the best family vacation of your life together in that magical place because of Walt and his dream. Now, what is that? That is passion, people. It's not balance. It's passion. The passion that doesn't let the dream die. Here's our big idea today. Balance doesn't change the world. What changes the world? Passion does. Passion changes the world. Not this futile pursuit of balance. Balance doesn't exist. You know, here's an interesting thing. When we study the scripture through the lens of passion, you and I begin to see that passion characterizes quite a few biblical characters who transform their world. People like Daniel and David. People like... Uh, Abraham and Moses. I mean, think about this. Jesus' last week on earth, many of us, we call it the Passion Week. There's so much emotion there. You know, you can look through the first six chapters of the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, and you see God's emotions just overflowing. What do you think about when you think about God? Most of us, we think about this white-haired old dude who has a problem staying awake. Right? That's what we think about. But that's not who God is really. You look at those first six chapters, here's some of the emotions that God experienced. God is an emotional person. He's grieved. He's frustrated. We see a God who loves. You see all of these things about God that God actually has emotions. Maybe you didn't know that about God. And guess what? You and I, we were created in God's image. You have emotions. When passion gets unleashed, it's an incredible thing. Prior to Jesus' coming, 2,000 years ago, there was this one preacher who was probably the greatest preacher in human history up to that point before Jesus got there. He was so well known that some people actually thought he was the Son of God, the Mashiach, the Messiah. And he says, no, I'm not that. I've just come to prepare the way for God's Son. He was so well known that people came from all over to hear him. You know him as John the Baptist. Now, some of you, if you've grown up in church, you know who John the Baptist is. Others are like, is that the cousin of Fred the Nazarene? 
No, let's get to it. All right, this is Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. And this is what God's Word tells us about this passionate, weird guy named John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and he began doing what? Preaching. Now, some of you, you may not know this, some of you, you may realize that preaching is not exactly, you know, something that kind of draws a lot of people all the time, right? But John was different. John started to draw people from all over the place. And look at this message. His message was this. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's like a tough message, right? It was like, you know what? We've all made mistakes. You're jacked up. 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 You messed up. You messed up. You messed up. Oh, by the way, if you don't know that you don't believe that you messed up, just talk to the spouse who came with you. They will gladly tell you how jacked up you are. Right? That John, this was John's message. We've all messed up. We've all blown it. Now turn to God because the kingdom of heaven, the thing that you've longed for, is there really a God? Is it really true that God is all about love? Yes, he's near. It's almost here. It's coming. You need to pay attention. So he goes into the wilderness, John the Baptist, and he preaches this message, and here's what he says. He is a voice shouting. What is that? He is a voice what? Shouting. All right. I did this first service, and they all said, what is that? He's a voice shouting. It's like, really? You can't say shouting. Right? you got to go, shouting! Woo! Right? By the way, if I've woke some of you up, welcome back. So here's the thing. He was shouting, not whispering, not giving a boring homily, and may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. No. He was shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. I mean, do you see the movement and the mood and the language and the passion behind John's ministry? Now let's look at John himself. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. Mm. And he wore a leather belt around his waist. I mean, think about this. He was the first original hipster. Right? If you, I mean, look what he ate. You thought you were paleo? The food he ate were locusts. That's grasshoppers, people. And wild honey. Grasshoppers, I hear if you put enough honey on them, they still taste awful. All right? So think about this. He ate I mean, a, a locust, wild honey, camel hair. This guy's a strange dude. Passionate dude. Very eccentric. Verse 5. People from Jerusalem and all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to hear John. Now, here's what's so amazing. Everybody came to hear John. Now, we have racism problems today, but back in Jesus' John's day, they were even worse. I mean, it was terrible, terrible racism, and yet he is attracting a crowd of everybody, Jews and non-Jews, and they're coming to hear what? A Coldplay concert? Are they going to see Garth Brooks at the Bridgestone? No. They're coming to hear a preacher, right? And then, when they confess their sins, look at this, he baptized them, in the Jordan River. Now, some of you, you've seen baptism before. You're, you know, it's, they get in the robes. And, so we're getting ready to have a baptism bash next Sunday. We had like 10, 11 people get baptized. Baptism was never meant to be boring. It was meant to be a symbol that, you know what, I'm going public with my faith. That I love Jesus. And you see, back in John's day, before John did the baptism, people baptized dishes. I.e., they washed dishes, Right? 
They would wash the dishes and they would put wash dishes. He says, you know what? I'm going to baptize people. I'm going to wash people. It's like, what? Right? And then the religious people says, yeah, all of those tax collectors, bad sinners, right? Those prostitutes, they need to get baptized. And that's when John said, nope, you all need to be baptized. Y'all are all jacked up and you've blown it. So he starts baptizing everybody. Scandalous thing. Everybody's included. Everybody's invited. Verse 7. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, look at this, he did what? Denounced them. You know, most preachers are just happy to get a crowd. He gets a crowd and then he slams them. Look what he says. You brood of snakes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out, people. All right? That's not the way you win friends and influence people. You brood of snakes. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove. Look at your neighbor and go tell them prove. Prove, prove by the way that you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove by the way that you live. See, for some of you, you're not a church person because you used to go to church. And here's what you realized about church people, that the church is full of hypocrites. And you know what? You are exactly right. You see, many times people who need to turn to God the most are church people. You see, it's not just the religious who are just like, oh, who like, you know, their stuff doesn't stink. They may act that way. But all of our stuff stinks. All of us need Jesus. All of us need to prove by the way that we live, people who claim to be God. Verse 9, don't just say to one another, hey, we're safe because we're descendants of Abraham. No, 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 no. John's going, no, you're not safe. Don't, you're not safe because you've went to church all your life. You're not safe because you read the Bible every day. No, no, don't be like, hey, I'm better than you because of any of that. No, no, no. Don't say that. Why? Because, verse 9, that means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. God created you, and he can replace you. Don't get smug. So, look what, verse 10. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Do you hear the passion of that? Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And then John finishes it this way. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. That's what repent means, by the way, is to turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. And he starts pointing to Jesus because Jesus was in that crowd. And he says this about Jesus. He's so much greater than I am, I'm not even worthy to be a slave or to even carry his sandals. I'm not worthy to take the socks off of his feet. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork, then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn and burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Man, John was passionate. He was passion-filled, and it was so much of a part of who he was. I think John's passion reflected God's passion and reflects God's passion for you and for me. Because God, did you, you may not know this, but God is passionately seeking a relationship with you. That God is passionate to see your life snap in a line into what he has for you so that you can have the best life possible. John 10.10 10 says, so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. 
that God hasn't given up on you, even though some of you, you've given up on God. I like what John Wesley, he was a pastor who created the Methodist denomination. How many of y'all heard of Methodist? Anyone? All right, cool. Uh, John, uh, John Wesley, he was a guy, and he said this, Set yourself on fire with passion, and people will come for miles to watch you burn. I love that. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? It's the reason why you watch infomercials, right? The ShamWow! Oh my gosh! This is a thing that can, can clean my car? Big whoop. But buddy, they are passionate about it, right? Here's a knife that can cut a penny. Well, I've always needed a knife that can cut a penny. Yeah. I mean, you, we watch those and we're like, this is the dumbest thing, one 800 I mean, really, right? Because they're just passionate. They're excited about it. And, it, and guess what? Excitement is contagious. Are you passionate on your job? I can't wait to go to work on Tuesday. Oh, yeah, well, you're going to get there 10 minutes late and leave 20 minutes early. Right? Man, you're promotable. Right? You see, I believe that passion, when you bring passion to your work, that reflects the glory of God. It's the passion of people that make a difference. Passionate people make a difference. Most people who accomplish great things in life, they're not balanced people. John was not balanced. He was wearing camel hair and eating grasshoppers. Right? That's a little bit of the... Right? But he did change the world. Balance doesn't change the world. Passion does. So here's my challenge for you. Here's my challenge for you. Y'all ready to be challenged? I'm ready to give it. This week, today, this year. Abandon balance. Abandon it. It's idiotic. I, I, I don't think it's attainable. You're not going to do anything with it. Abandon balance and embrace passion. Which means, what if you pursued everything you did with passion? Think about that. How would your life be differently if what you pursued, if you pursued it with passion? What if you pursued your faith with passion? What if instead of just saying, okay, I got it, I might show up to church once a month, Right? What if you said, you know what? I'm going to be there. I'm going to serve. And I'm going to read my Bible, not just on Sundays, but every day. And it's more than just check the box. No, no, no. I'm going to get into God's Word because I want to passionately cultivate this relationship with God. How would your life be different? What if you passionately pursued your work? What if you started with just pursuing your work with passion. Did you know that 70% of all Americans say they are disengaged at work? I mean, think about that. I'm going to guess that's probably you, that's 70% of us. You're like, you know, if I had my dream job, I'd be engaged. If, I, if they paid me more money, then I, if I got more... Ve- no, stop. You see, you're never ever going to get more money. You're never ever going to get a raise because you keep on making excuses. I'm going to talk about this next week. You can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. So some of you, you need to, if you want your dream job, you need to act like flipping burgers is your dream job, and you just might own the sap-sucking restaurant one day. you got to show up. 
you got to show up 10 minutes early and leave 10 minutes late and not take an hour and a half lunch break. Be promotable. This is what God's Word has to say about this. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. It said enthusiastically. You know what enthusiastically is? That word is made up of two Greek words. Theos, which is God. And in theos, in means, anybody want to take a guess? In! <laughs> Welcome to One Church. Alright? So, when you pursue something enthusiastically, it just means you perceive God in everything. You're enthusiastic about it. Let me tell you, here's what I've learned. People who throw their heart into things get, tend to get handed more things. And you get promoted. What if, what if you pursued passion with your family? What if you started dating your wife again? What if you started pursuing her and stopped taking her for granted? What if you spent more time with your kids? Now, some of you are like, how can I do all this? Be passionate about work, be passionate about family, be passionate about my wife, because they're all conflicting. Well, that's why you've got to come back next week, baby. All right, because that's about, we're talking priorities now. You've got to figure out how to prioritize everything. But what, my challenge to you, is what if you pursued everything with passion? What if you pursued your friendships with passion, your life with passion? So, my challenge is abandon balance, embrace passion. Let's do that this year. Let's do that, guys. Let's do that, ladies. Let's just stop with the balance on the radio. Eh. You, you, I'm, I'm tell, I know you guys. Some of y'all are very unbalanced. And that's a good thing. Because balanced people don't change the world. Passionate people do. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much, God, that we can come this morning and we can just be just challenged not to have it all together and not to have all of our ducks in the row and just like us to just be, you know, 20 here, 20 here, 20 here, 20 here. No, no, no. God, that we, whatever we do, we're passionate about it. God, I pray that you would fan into flame the passion that you've given all of us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and let's sing.